This program was first broadcast on Canterbury's access media station, Plains FM, and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. Christchurch Conversations Towards 2030 is a series of five events exploring how the city can achieve its climate goals. Organized by Te Putahi Centre for Architecture and City Making, each event features a range of thought-provoking speakers, from local experts providing the latest information to local businesses and residents sharing their own experiences and actions. The first event, called Building for the Future, focuses on reducing the city's building-related greenhouse gas emissions and begins with a Mana Fenua perspective from Mata Popori trustee Joseph Hullen. Uh, E noho nei i mua o a hau, kua tai mai nei, i tēnei pō, i tēnei pō tino makariri, tēnā koutou katoa. Tēnā koutou katoa tō whakanui o te kaupapa o te wā, um, te mahi o hanga whare, i te ao katoa. Rātou kua wehe ki te pō, haere, haere, haere atu rā, tātou uh, um, ora, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Joseph Holland. Um, my phone is not loaded with anything. It's just a timer to let me know when I go overtime. Um, <clears throat> Jessica asked me to speak to you about building and its effect on the environment and a mana whenua perspective in these times of climate change. I come from Ngaitua which is just up the road. Um, I have a history of kaitiakitanga within Christchurch, and that's an ethic that is embedded in me. It's one of sustainability, and my first key word to you, or my first key waha to you, is mōtato a mōkauri a muri ake nei. Not just for me but the people who come after me, children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren. Sustainability ethic is also honed um, by the fact that Māori mother, a European father who was a blue-collar worker, um, we come from a lower socioeconomic group at the time. And so we were challenged with making things last and stretching things and augmenting them. A lot of that comes from my mum. Her ancestors, that was also familiar to them. You get that when you spend 10,000 years sailing around the Pacific from island group to island group with a finite amount of resources at the start, not knowing when you're going to arrive at your next homeland to populate, overpopulate, deplete resources and make the choice to go sailing off into the sunset again. If you do what you have always done, you will get what you have always got. My ancestors arrived in this country perhaps a 1,000, maybe 800 years ago, and went through their own case of climate change. 
sudden drop in temperature. Through innovation, they survived and prospered. They used locally produced sustainable materials with low carbon miles. <laughs> they built by orientating their buildings to catch the sunlight in the lower temperature range of the winter facing north. They lined their fudders with a locally produced natural resource for insulation, conservation ethic and stewardship kaitiakitanga embedded in us. There's a question asked of me at a workshop I was at. Joseph, do you like bacon and eggs for breakfast? Yes, I do. What's your observation on the bacon and eggs? And I sort of pondered it for a while. And my friend saved me the, the pain and says, on your plate of bacon and eggs, comes from a, a pig and a chicken. And I'm like, duh. And he said, the chicken's involved, the pig's committed. <laughs> and so that's my point to you. How green are you? How committed are you? It's all very well to say, I'll design a greener house. It's all very well to say, I'll use appropriate methods, low-carbon miles, but how actually committed are you to embed it, not only in the buildings that you build, but your actual workspace, work, work life? How committed are you that you not only take it to your work, but you live it at home? Tūrunanga and Aitahu, we have a... At Tūrunanga and Aitahu is the, the hub, the rich parents, if you will, of a family of 18. 18 Papatapurunanga who are scattered around the South Island, based at our Papatapu Marae. Each of them in different stages of their development, if you will, after settlement. We have a range of assets. Where I come from, <clears throat> as part of our settlement, we ended up with the Eelwell Forest and we turned it into a farm. With our cultural advisory group, we stayed embedded in the farm operation because those who would manage it aren't as hard green as us. They don't have it embedded in them, this kaitiakitanga ethos. I'm not saying that it's the answer to everybody's, everybody's problem or to climate change, but the reality is that we have to get harder green. Motato are more kahudia mudiaki name, because what kind of legacy do we leave our children? What do we leave them to pick up in the future? We can manufacture locally produce sustainable materials with low carbon miles. COVID nineteen and the supply chain issues that it has brought focuses the spotlight on the opportunity to bring manufacturing back to this country. Bounce the dollar around the economy instead of taking logs from a forest and accepting the highest price on offer and watch those logs sail off to China and then come back as even higher priced building components. Sometimes the answer's right in front of our eyes. In this case, I think the answer was right in front of our eyes 800 years ago. 
when my ancestors arrived here. Look around the environment, sustainably produced, low carbon miles and innovate. And that will be something to leave your children and grandchildren. Kia ora. Kina maunga, kina waka, kina tātai tangata. Naya te reo o mihi kia koutou, tēnā koutou. E te pauwhakaruru hau o te takiwa nei, e nai tūhururi mina runanga, tēnā koutou. Ko Sarah Templeton toku ingoa, no ingarani oku tipuna. Kei te noho o ki o tatahi, tēnā koutou katoa, nā mihi nui kia koutou. So I am Sarah and I currently chair the um, Committee of the Whole, so all of Council, which is the Sustainability and Community Resilience Committee, which has um, under its terms of reference the climate change strategy and other sustainability initiatives. Christchurch City Council has been working on climate smart initiatives for some years now. And in 2017, we set ourselves a target of becoming net neutral uh, as an organisation by 2030. In 2018, we asked our council-owned companies to do the same, and we consulted with residents on a city-wide target. In late 2018, we resolved to set a, city, a target for the city of being net neutral by 2045 and to halve our CO2 emissions by 2030. This is a huge undertaking, and there is no way that council can do it alone. It will take central government, business, iwi, community groups and individuals all to play our part. As you'll be aware, transport makes up the greatest proportion of the city's emissions, along with other projects. Council initiated the 100% battery electric car share scheme for the city. And we've also been working on our network of major cycle routes, which are well on the way to being completed. We've made some progress in the built realm, both in major facilities such as Turanga and the recent opening of the St Albans Community Centre, almost entirely made of wood and with net carbon stored of 173 tonnes of CO2 equivalent. This year, for the first time, our long-term plan has a climate change lens. First time! It's a good first step, um, but it won't be enough, um, and the next LTP will have to step up significantly. Among other things, we added additional funding for community partnerships, for biodiversity, for tree planting, for climate change education and active travel planning for schools, for slow-speed neighbourhoods and coastal adaptation planning. We also added a new cycling programme. You may not have heard of this. We added a new cycling programme, $40 million for local connection routes. Um, our new climate resilience strategy was signed off um, just a couple of weeks ago. It's called Kia Turoa Te Ao, Ensuring the World Continues. It is a start, and there is so much more to do, and we all need to do it together. As the saying goes, we cannot make progress without change, and there is a lot of change that we need to make. Finally, I'd like to um, thank Dr Jessica Halliday um, and the team at Te Putahi for this evening um, and this series of Christchurch Conversations uh, on Climate. The City Council is really pleased to be able to support it. Nō reira, tēnā koutou, tēnā koutou. Tēnā uh, koutou katoa. Kia and thank you, Joseph, and thank you, Sarah, for setting the scene for us. Um, I think in particular that Whakatauki 
for our children and, well, not just for us, but also for those who come after us, is one that this whole city could thank Naitahu for and carry through the journey that we've got ahead of us. Um, uh, just a quick thank you to all our Expo contributors tonight. Um, it's been great to have you here and great to see you so busy tonight. Uh, housekeeping, that's right, that's what I've got to do. So, toilets, you know where, there are, where they are, correct? They're out um, in the middle of the room on the right-hand side, just past the big screen. Um, I hope you've all signed in with the QR code. Um, if you haven't, we have a manual sign-up, or you could enter it manually when you get home if you keep forgetting your phone like I have a lot lately. Um, you know the drill for earthquake stop, oh well, no, just drop, cover and hold. Um, the Turanga staff will lead us out. The exit is just on my left, your right, um, with the little green figure. Those are stairs that would take us down and out into Gloucester Street if we needed to evacuate, but you have to walk all the way around the building to the muster point, which is in the square. So, Christchurch Conversations Towards 2030. We are really pleased to bring this series um, to you this year. This event series considers how we can meet the city's emission reduction goals that Sarah just outlined. The topics reflect somewhat the way the Christchurch City Council is measuring greenhouse gas emissions, but also reflect the way emissions um, are produced by the way we design and build and use our cities. Because at Te Putahi, um, our concern is architecture and city making. We exist to make it easy, desirable and fun for anybody and everybody to get involved in the shaping and enjoyment of the city. Now we acknowledge from the outset the complexity and interaction of the environmental, social and cultural uh, challenges and changes that climate action requires of us and also that these topics are not divisible. Building and construction is not separate from energy generation and use, um, neither is it separate is transport separate from land use. So these things are all intermingled, the five topics that we'll look at this year, but we had to make them intelligible to us and to you. And as Sarah's outlined, and in fact as Joseph's outlined as well, addressing climate change and reducing emissions is now our collective goal. We've committed to this as, oh, the globe's committed to it through the Paris Agreement. We've committed to it as a nation and now as a city. And our first target is less than nine years away. But I don't know if you've noticed, being here now, things are changing and I think it's a great time to reflect and to thank all those groups and people who have been sharing this message for decades. This series and this event tonight are about sharing information, about how together we can reduce emissions in Ōtotahi Christchurch, and that everyone can contribute in some way to our collective action. Tonight's event in particular looks at how we design, construct, adapt and use our buildings. As with other areas of climate action, there are significant co-benefits in reducing emissions in our buildings, especially in creating better indoor uh, environments for health and well-being. I'd like to thank um, out the sponsors who have made this uh, evening possible, this series possible, uh, the Christchurch City Council, um, 
the it's time uh, who are our Christchurch Conversations partner and have been since, well, we've been there since 2015. The It's Time Canterbury Climate Campaign, who are our series sponsor. Our research partner, which is the Huritanga thread of better of buildings, better homes, towns and cities, one of the national science challenges. And tonight's event sponsors, the building performance, building system performance branch of the Ministry of Business, Innovation and Employment and the New Zealand Institute of Architects Canterbury branch. So how is tonight going to roll? Well, we have a really packed program, so our speakers are going to introduce themselves. But to give you an idea of the shape of the evening, I'll give you a really quick overview. At all of the series of five events this year, we hear from a young, or <clears throat> he says youngish tonight, person whose life is going to be shaped by the action we take, we take now in this next decade. So our next speaker is an architectural designer who will consider how he and his peers might practice architecture in 2030. We'll then hear about how and where emissions come from in building and construction. Other speakers will then take us into the detail of the more technical and regulatory aspects of change in the sector. You, you know, if you're not in the sector, hang on. Um, and then a couple of people are going to look at how those could be implemented before we cycle back again to consider the wider context of a healthy urban system. So thank you to all of tonight's speakers, there are a lot of them, for sharing their knowledge and insights with us. And thank you all for coming. We hope that we all gain, and those who come after us, gain from learning more about building for the future. So please welcome our next speaker, Johnny Knopp. And we came via Takatuna, so just for fun. Um, yeah, I'm an architectural designer and I'm here to talk about uh, buildings, I suppose. First of all, I don't represent all young people, just so you know. Um, uh, it's, it's a huge privilege to be here and it's a huge privilege to have my job and be able to influence how young people are represented and seen and heard. Um, they should be heard and seen. Um, so on to buildings and the environment. Basically, environmental damage is going to happen when we touch the ground uh, in one way or another, and reducing that is a, a really worthy thing to put your efforts into. Uh, I'm not an expert in reducing that damage myself, uh, so what I'm going to talk about, um, sorry Jess, <laughs> is why we build what we build in the first place, because the wrong building, no matter how well built, can't justify its own existence in terms of the damage that we have. Um, so there are some times when the kind of cost-benefit analysis of environmental damage versus infrastructure uh, don't really stack up. And in those, in those times, maybe not building is the best thing to do. Uh, and other times, maybe going big is actually the way to do it. Um, so, all right, how do we, uh, with all the wisdom of 32-year-old, design the right buildings? Uh, Great slides. Traditionally, the realm of uh, these first few questions have been where the designer has had influence. So who, all right, who's going into the building, when, when do you want it, you know, last week. Uh, where, where is your site? It's always a good question. And what are we building? All right, what are we building? What is it? Holiday home, it's a library. Um, but why has usually been the domain of the developer? The one that's with the money, whoever that might be, why are you building? 
why, like, what is this thing? Um, so, all right, going back to how do we get to the right buildings, we ask a lot of people a lot of questions. And a lot of, a lot of questions, eh, Michael? Um, and the more important that question is, or the more, the more valuable the outcome's going to be, uh, a question like, you know, can you build me a house that looks like a fish? The answer is yes. Well done. Uh, can you build me a house that I can afford to feed my family if I'm living in? That's going to be a much more valuable outcome for the people who, you know, who are working on that. So, all right, so we've got the traditional realms here. Um, what we always try to do, like I say, is really push into this why space. Uh, that's my last slide, by the way. It's a terrible one to end on, but we try to push ourselves into this why space in, in the practice that we're in. So uh, 2030 is probably too late to start asking that, so we're asking it now. It's what I was doing today. It's what I'll be doing tomorrow. Why do we ask that? Um, you ask any two-year-old why, and why is the most powerful question you can possibly ask. You can deconstruct realities with the question of why. I'm going to speed run one real quick example because I feel like my watch just told me I'm out of time. Um, so, okay. Hypothetical, hypothetical example. Actually, no. Number one. All right, let's say a developer says, build me a five-story, uh, sorry, a three-story, five-apartment, $1 million per apartment building in a public space. All right, great. Why? So, well, so we can house some people. Okay. Why? So we can make some money. <coughs> okay. Interesting. Is the five-apartment, three-story building the best way to do that if you're in a public space? What if we went five stories? All right. Ground floor, hospital retail, next floor up, offices, maybe a mix of expensive and less expensive apartments. Now, yes, that's cost more carbon, more money, more investment, but the business case, potentially more robust. One, one tenant moves out, then you've still got the rest of them in there, easier to replace. And the kind of carbon expenditure per capita for who that building is able to serve suddenly raises like crazy. You've gone from five households to 100 plus people from the public wandering in every day. Speed run another quick example. So that's going big. All right, so that's starting to try and stack that carbon argument. Another quick example of a speed run. All right, developer says, build me a new architecture school. <laughs> I was just going to say school. Okay, why? Well, so we can house our students. Okay, well, what is it? Well, it's a replacement for our existing architecture school. Okay, well, where is it? Well, it's in the same place as the existing architecture school. Okay, when do you want it? Yeah, as soon as possible. All right, well, who's going to go into it? Well, our current students. All right, so you're housing your current students on a piece of land that you currently have and knocking down a building that you currently have to do it. Maybe the better carbon argument is don't build a building. And on that fantastically somber note, I will leave you all. Thank you very much. Um, kia ora, my name's Dr Kerry Mulligan. I'm a senior academic at um, the Department of Engineering and Architectural Studies at ARA um, Institute of Canterbury, which we have uh, multiple campuses um, around the city. Um, tonight, my role is to set the scene for this discussion about carbon in buildings in Christchurch. Um, during the discourse tonight, we're going to hear from a range of people, but while they're each going to be addressing a specific topic, the underlying themes is to endeavour to understand our situation here in Christchurch, how we need to be thinking about carbon in buildings, so improving our carbon literacy, and presenting a path that we can choose to take that can make the significant impacts that are required. 
Over the evening, you might hear some terminology that may not yet be in our everyday language. So as I set the scene and tell you a little bit about what's happening in Christchurch, I thought it would be useful to unpack some of the words and terminology that we hear around the place. So first off, emissions. Carbon emissions, CO2, carbon dioxide, carbon dioxide equivalent, greenhouse gases, all of these things. They are basically a measure. So how we measure these things. So if you hear one of those words, it means that we're measuring something. For example, the total emissions from Christchurch in one year is currently 2.7 million tonnes of CO2 equivalent. And at the moment, our emissions are increasing year on year. We know that we need to be reducing emissions and that emissions are bad. But how much reduction do we need? There's much debate regarding how emissions should be distributed. However, one useful metric... Oh, you can go back. Sorry. <laughs> is, um, ..is the fair share. This refers to the amount of carbon per person if everyone in the world had an equal share in the emissions. While the fair share is a little bit more complex than a single number, for the purposes of tonight um, and understanding where we need to be getting to, um, that number of fair share sits around two tonnes of carbon um, per person per year. And how do we stack up against that? Well, if you dis distribute the emissions from Christchurch per person per year, we are each responsible for 7.1 tonnes. Our emissions are rather bloated. That fact that our emissions are rather exorbitant can be overwhelming. And while it might be motivating for some, we need a realistic and collective approach to the problem. And the first step in doing that is getting some understanding about where these emissions are coming from. So this chart shows a breakdown of the emissions uh, for Christchurch. We can see that behind transport, the emissions from building are the next biggest and account for 19%, or almost a fifth of our emissions. And a little bit more terminology that we're going to come across. The emissions from buildings are grouped into two areas, referred to as operational and, and embedded. The embodied emissions are those resulting from the physical fabric of buildings, the stuff. So emissions from producing the materials for the buildings. We're going to hear more about that um, later from Katie, Scott and Andy. The operational emissions are from using the buildings, from such things as lighting, hot water um, and heating. And we're going to hear more about that from Alrond and also the implications around all of that. So it's emerging that we need to understand where our emissions are coming from and what we can do to change. And I think what we're going to discover over tonight is that we have good knowledge and expertise in this area and what will make an impact in the built environment. And, what, and where we are coming unstuck is at the systemic level. It is our policies and our procedures that are letting us down. I think we'll leave here with a better understanding of the leverage points that we have to potentially enact a change. Thank you. This has been part one of Building for the Future, the first event in the Christchurch Conversations Towards 2030 special series on how to achieve the city's 2030 climate targets. Many thanks to Te Putahi Centre for Architecture and City Making 
for kindly sharing this recording. Podcasts of the series are available from the Plains FM website. Search Christchurch Conversations. Conversations.